welcome to the podcast. We are speaking with Sakia Geri, a founder of Invisible Cities based in Edinburgh. Um, as you may know, we talk about responsible travel, we talk about sustainability, and we touch on organizations and people that are doing the right thing. Now, Sakia most definitely is doing that. It was fantastic to have her as guest on the podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes. The website for Invisible Cities is invisible-cities.org. And our website is podcast.earth. Um, without further ado, here's the podcast with Zakia. So thank you. First of all, thank you very much um, for agreeing to this. That's uh, very kind of you. And I'm really oh, honored no, to have you no on problem. the Yeah, brilliant. Zakia um, Mulawi uh, Giri, is that is that about right? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's very good. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> thank you. And uh, you are the founder of Invisible uh, Cities. And uh, um, I saw an article roughly five days ago uh, in The Independent um, from the Lonely, yeah. Lonely Planet Awards, Meet the UK Tour Company. With a difference that has been named best in the world. That that's that's very good. Congratulations on that. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and I saw on your site and on LinkedIn, you are a global social enterprise, uh, trains people who have been affected by homelessness to become uh, walking tour guides. So basically, tour guides that that are walk around the city. Um, I take it. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And you're based in five cities at the moment, or am I? Um, so four, we were meant to launch in Cardiff, Wales at um, the start of the year, about April time. But unfortunately, because of um, COVID, then that didn't happen. So oh, okay. we we have a partner in, in the city and, and we all said, so we're just waiting for when things are a bit better to be able to train and recruit people and start tours again. Mm -hmm. um, so by by next spring we will be in five cities and probably start to look at for a sixth one. Oh, a sixth um, one as well where is that going to be or have you i think it will be it depends it's anyone's guess at this stage yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's probably another uk city and then i would really like to have um a european city ah okay 2022 so um, so you're really thinking about amsterdam. expanding hey amsterdam yes. wow that that is very yeah. nice yeah i like amsterdam i'm sure it will do very well there actually there we go. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's loads of, um, a lot of possibilities in the UK, um, but also, and unfortunately, I was going to say, you know, there are um, people that could use the support anywhere in the world. Sure. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then in big cities, I think seeing things a bit differently from a touristic point of view, that would also work out. So uh, we're definitely open to the idea of a, of an international expansion. Great. And, and obviously you, um, you started this roughly four years ago in 2016. Before that, um, you were involved with the Homeless World Cup Foundation. So um, you are quite involved and affected uh, by homelessness. Uh, I have the feeling. Is that correct? Or Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah, yeah. it was um, obviously working in different contexts because mm -hmm. the homeless World Cup uses sports and mm -hmm. football in particular to um, support people. And as a non-football fan, you mm -hmm. know, as um, my first reaction was, how can football help <laughs> anyone? Mm -hmm. But actually, you know, it's it's the same principle as what we do is building up confidence and and self-esteem and a routine and, and social skills through the, you know, an excuse, whether mm -hmm. that's a tour or a game of football. Um, and, and that's very much when I started working with people from all over the world who had been affected by homelessness. Right. Why did you start uh, going into travel, if I may ask? And why did you start Invisible Cities, which is invisible-cities.org, by the way? 
Yeah. Um, travel has, it's always been a very important part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lucky way, you know, I started traveling very much in my early 20s with the Homeless World Cup because a big part of my job was to um, organize events, but also um, go from country to country and see how football and sports could help people. And also investigate what it meant to be homeless in a country like the Netherlands or Scotland mm-hmm. or Romania, India, which you can imagine is very different from place to place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always felt a bit like, a, I always say like, you know, like a, a member of the royal family, you go into a place, you mm-hmm. see a project and then you move on to the next, you know, that's kind that was kind of my job. Yep. Um, but my, feeling was that when it wasn't if it wasn't part of my job how could I um ensure that other people could experience the same could hear the same stories could meet the same people you know when they were traveling um without it being part of a of a role that they had um and then in 2014 um I got unwell I got diagnosed with cancer okay and Oh, thank you. I'm all good now. So okay. uh, <laughs> okay. that's good. Yeah. Um, my initial reaction was that, does that mean I can't travel anymore? Because I had loads of trips planned out yeah. and it wasn't. And then you go, oh, no, actually, there are bigger implications here, like my health and, you know, and, and loads of serious things. But deep down, what I first thought about was, oh, no, I can't go to, you know, I was planning on going to Romania that year and I was yeah. like, I can't go. And that's what made me realize how important it was and to me and what a big role it played in me discovering the world. So I think it, it kind of connected all the dots um, to use travel as a, a tool or tourism as, a, as, as an excuse to listen to stories that we usually wouldn't listen to mm-hmm. um, and also use it as a, as a force for um, development like football had done at the homeless world cup you know i had witnessed that happen and and all the positive um impact that football could have i thought okay well training in tourism surely can have um the same because you need to be quite a confident person to be a tour guide so uh, for me like this really negative event ended up being quite a good catalyst for making it all happen I have to say. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And you you, you talk about as well training already. I saw on your website you have a free fold impact training, uh, raising awareness and organizing events, which obviously came from the previous um, position that you held. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Is there certain events that you have organized already or that you're looking to organize in the near future? Yeah, well, we, um, I think you're absolutely spot on coming from that world, you know, for me, it was a no-brainer to organize other events in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it serves, the purpose of it is that some people start training with us and then realize down the line that being a guide is not for them. Mm-hmm. You know, they probably don't have the confidence to be the center of attention all the time, yeah. but they still want to be involved. They still want to be in a positive circle of friends and, you know, and and do something every day. So organizing community events is is a good way for that. And as As an event uh, professional, I know how underrated this can be. You know, people think, oh, events happen by themselves. And all of a sudden, when actually it's a lot of groundwork and you can gain a lot of skills from that. So one of the first things we did was in Edinburgh. We ran um, a campaign called the Street Barber Edinburgh. Okay. Um, Street Barber. Street Barber. And we um, give free haircuts and shaves 
from the streets directly and free toiletries um, to homeless men. Okay. And that's because we were not reaching out to a lot of rough sleepers, you know, street homeless. The people that we worked with or that we work with are many people who are already in a hostel and temporary accommodation, yeah. you know, in a, in a supported accommodation. So we thought, how can we give back to a group that we are not really reaching out well? Okay. Um, and we're going to start this in Manchester in 2021, actually. So that's um, super exciting. And it means that we are also visible in a different way. You know, I think it's a, uh, it's the impact that the events have on the people who get their haircuts is that even if it's for one day, you get to feel better about yeah, yourself. Yeah, you it makes get a big difference, that, I'm sure. Yeah. Exactly. You get that dignity back. And then in terms of the community, we also make homelessness a little bit more visible because we're on the streets, giving out haircuts, having coffee and tea and chat. So that's one of them. And then we started creating another event for women um, in particular yeah. called the Sparkle Sisters. And um, what it is, is that it's it's just a, a day of pampering. So haircuts again, but also nails and um, a bra fitting service, you know, getting free clothes, mm -hmm. free toiletries. And it's more of a social event, I think, because women and mothers and, you know, they, they want to come together and stay together. So we designed them differently because we realized we asked people and they said, oh, they should be different. Women want to spend more time together, mm -hmm. whereas the men just want their haircut and probably move on with their day. Um, so we're super keen to organize more um, events in the community mm -hmm. and so that we can give back, so that we can propose, you know, a new service, but also so that, like I said, the people who we train but are not ready to be guides can be involved and volunteer and, and feel like they're being useful to the community. Brilliant, brilliant. And, and the tours themselves, um, how long are they? Uh, do they go into parts of the city that you normally wouldn't go to? And um, is there a cost for the, for the people that want to do it? Or? So the tours are designed by our guides themselves. Oh, really? So okay. Each, each one is different then? Or? Each one is different. Okay. And yeah. each one comes from them. Okay. So um, part of the training is for them to develop the theme that they want to talk about, the mm -hmm. stops, you know, the characters that they want to um, highlight, etc. So some people have loads of ideas when they start um, and other people have no ideas so we can we can help help in that structure but mm -hmm. it should come from people because the tours are usually a mix of three things history so what you would have on a regular more mainstream tour yep. i would say mm -hmm. this is edinburgh castle this is you know mm -hmm. hollywood palace local knowledge places that people have used or that people would recommend or little kind of uh, urban legends you know things that are known into the city when you are local to the city and finally personal stories so the guides will embed in the tour things that they feel passionate about or that they want to talk about so for example stories of um the criminal justice system if they've been mm -hmm. in prison or does that happen a lot? Is that is it a lot of the background or is that just something uh, that you... Not necessarily. Okay. No, it's the thing with that tour is that it's a very entertaining tour because you talk about crime and murders and prison and all of that. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to include, you know, um, part of your story. But some people, and what happens a lot is that people talk about their periods of homelessness, yeah. what it was like for them, um, whether it was rough sleeping or places they went to to access support 
Um, so, you know, this is this organization and they helped me access food or they helped me access clothing or whatever, or what led them to become homeless mm -hmm. as well. So whether that's mental health issues or um, health issues or um, you know, going and in, being into care, and then, you know, mm -hmm. there's loads. Everybody has a different story and they can decide how much of it they want to include or how little of it they want to include. It can be quite emotional for them or am I wrong here? Yes, absolutely. And I think um, the train at part of the training, we also work with people. So um, we balance that right because mm -hmm. it's still an entertaining tour, you yeah. know, so mm -hmm. we can talk about very difficult topics and it can be very emotional, but sometimes yeah. that can also trigger things. Um, and we don't want that because it needs to be a conversation. But, you know, if if I'm going to bring up trauma that you have lived in your life, yeah. I don't think that's, you know, that's not the purpose. <laughs> so, well, I, I, I don't know. It's a different tour. It's a different experience. You will not forget yes. it, that's for sure. Um, Absolutely. And, yeah. and that's exactly what happened, especially with the younger audience who yeah. really find that they can get educated about this and they can get, you know, and they get to ask a lot of questions about a topic that they only see on the surface, maybe, you yeah. know. Um, so it, it really depends. And then um, we charge a price per person mm -hmm. um, on the tours and we um, and we use that as part of our social enterprise model. So the guides uh -huh. get okay. paid for the tours they do, yep. obviously. Yep. And um, But we also use that money to do marketing and promotion and create online content for schools and for children and um but also for all those community events that i mentioned before mm -hmm. yeah, and um so all of that is reinvested in in the company and to organize more training so we train a lot more people than we have guides because a big part of what we want to do is enable people to access other opportunities and sometimes that's a part-time job a full-time job mm -hmm. somewhere else or going back to college or reuniting with their families if that's an issue you know so we use all of that so people can go to college so people can take the train to travel down to see their, their uh, children if they haven't seen them in a long time you know or um to do photography if they're passionate about photography so we work with everyone on a one-to-one -one basis to figure out what it is that they want to do and then we can either signpost people or we can help them directly achieve those goals Right, right. And if I may ask, how many people do you have per city uh, as a tour guide uh, at the moment? So overall, we have 13 guides. Yeah. Um, and that that um, is not the same number in each city. We have about 25 people who are um, training or who are involved volunteering and supported. So they are people who have experienced homelessness but are not fully um, they're not full status of guides yet. Yeah. Um, we have a couple of people, for example, who are marshals. So we call them marshals. And again, that's my um, we me with my event hat on. You know, sometimes sure. when you go to a conference and, and you don't know the city, you need somebody to take you from point A to point B. Yeah. That's it. It's not a tour, but it's just somebody to accompany you along the way. Mm -hmm. And for us, it works quite well with people who maybe have learning difficulties um, so doing a tour is maybe a bit too much and mm -hmm. it's something that they can't really um, face at the moment, but they love engaging with the public. So um, we have a couple of those roles going, you know, for two gentlemen who feel 
they want to be part of the crew and, and they want to meet customers from around the world, but doing a full tour is probably too much. So again, you know, we try to create openings and positions for everybody and fit around their needs. Okay, now that makes total sense. I'm asking as well because I I, I see obviously it's um, uh, invisiblecities.org, um, uh, and I see that you use a hundred percent of your profits to uh, support uh, your your trainees and guides with further development. Um, I, I'm just wondering, uh, that, does that mean like the previous organization that you worked for, that it's a charity, non-profit organization, and how? Do you sustain yourself? Do you get donations? Do you do crowdfunding um, besides obviously the fees from the tours? Yeah. So we are a social enterprise. Okay. Um, legally, it's um, it's a community interest company. So we are not a charity. We trade like any other tour operator. Okay. Yeah. Um, but um, so we generate income through our tours, obviously, uh, but also through we sell merchandise um, ah, okay. from all our cities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we do public speaking. So sometimes that may be me going into a conference and talking about tourism, or that may be a guide talking about their experience of homelessness. Um, We do school workshops, you know, that type of thing. And all of that generates money. Mm -hmm. Um, And we also, because we are, but we are a Mm not-for-profit. So I know it is a hybrid um, model, if you want. It's being in between a for-profit, limited company and a charity right. so we're not a full charity um but we still accept donations um but we generate our own income and what we want to achieve is to be 100 percent reliable on our own income mm-hmm. through our tours and making you know the more profit we make the more people we can help absolutely so it, absolutely. it is yeah. about um you know being successful financially so we can um help more people have more events But yeah, we're in that in between. In French, we say it's in between two chairs. You know, we uh-huh. are sitting between two chairs, uh, being not quite one nor the other. Right, fair enough. And, and you call yourself also um, a social franchise model, correct? That's how you yeah. operate. And what does that mean? Because obviously looking, um, you can't do everything yourself in every city in the world. So you're looking for partners, right? That exact, That's exactly right. So historically, we run Invisible Edinburgh, Glasgow, Manchester directly, mm-hmm. but realized um, quite early on that we ca- you can't run a million cities on your own, you know, from one location. Um, and that's because also the people that we work with, even though we provide structure and and development and opportunities, still require a lot of support. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that has to be done locally. So the social franchise model came about And we designed it with our partner in York um, quite well. And what we do is we will partner up with a local organization and they will take on the franchise of Invisible City. So they will take on all our branding and Mm -hmm. our name and our awards um, that you mentioned, but also our systems, our booking engine, our marketing, um, our training program our ways of doing things and we will work together. We will welcome them into the invisible cities family Mm -hmm. and together we will design invisible Cardiff, invisible Mexico city. You know, I don't know. I'm just uh, saying things out loud now, you know, invisible, whatever the city and the franchise model generates income for us Mm -hmm. because it covers time and effort and work. And like any other franchise, you know, our recipes for how we do things And then when tours are up and running, then they generate income for that organization and we take a fee 
from that. So it's also a way for local organizations to diversify what they may already be doing mm-hmm. um, and to have another activity going on the ground to involve people um, and, and create an impact. So York is a franchise model. Cardiff will be a social franchise model. And every city that we want to develop from now on will be a social franchise model. Fair enough. And those are operators that already are in business, basically, correct? It's not like yeah, startups that, that are looking to do something like this. It depends. Um, I think what I have seen happen is that the interest seems to be coming from two groups of people, mm-hmm. either... Um, homelessness organizations so yep. people who already work with homeless work on the ground yep. or tour companies that want to diversify maybe have an impact with the they know how to run a tour they know how to make money from tours but they want to do something more social yep. with the with their tours so it could be one or the other and then you also have people who want to start something um from the ground and then um we're open to having all the conversations that we can have to see mm-hmm. how we can make it work in in any given city because I don't think one model is fits all. It it can be, you know, I started from the ground up, so there's no reason why um, people can't start either. But yeah, so open to any open to anything any, that comes along. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. Obviously, at this time we are in the middle of a pandemic, and there's obviously positive news. There's negative news. Um, let's start with negative news. Um, uh, the United Nations panel, they basically said, in oh, according to the USA Today, that international tourism will not happen before the third quarter of 2021. And some organizations even say 2022 before it really gets back to where it was. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's obviously not good news. On the other hand, um, you know, there's a lot of things that will change after the pandemic. National Geographic said that uh, consumers and customers really want to be more responsible and more sustainable, um, which is very good news. And I believe that's something that you forecast yourself as well. What I read in the article is that you said a lot of people want to travel in a different way now. Um, they don't want to do it more consciously, more responsible. So what what do you think will happen uh, in the near future? And how has it affected you in, first of all, uh, the pandemic? Because it must be very difficult for your organization at the moment. So. Absolutely. And and um, we were working with a lot of international um, companies, organizations, you know, schools mm-hmm. uh, sending kids on trips, on study trips and things like that, universities, yeah. um, tour operators. We saw all of that completely disappear yeah. from February already, you know, and, and people saying, oh, we're not coming, we're cancelling. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, it was, you know, like every business, you sure. know, and then the, yeah. everybody in tourism, you see your income disappear in one day for the rest of the year you know and um or you know you're you're, uh, absolutely and i can tell you there were a couple of days where you're like if i do the math i think i'm going to faint (laughs) so i'm going to so there was a lot of difficult moments but Mm -hmm. the the most important thing for us was the people that we support so the guides the train the trainees and the supported volunteers and and we knew that they would not generate income they would but also that things were going to be tough for them because there's a lot of people who are maybe a bit older mm-hmm. or with already health issues. Yeah. Um, so getting that message across that they had to stay at home and, you know, be safe, protect themselves and others was, you know, something we, we bashed on quite a lot. And then um, we started a crowdfunder actually that you okay. mentioned before. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly to get, um, 
weekly deliveries of food for people. So a, a thing that we work really hard at is that it's not because you are experiencing homelessness or financial difficulties that you shouldn't have access to healthy food with mm-hmm. options. I think dignity through that is is quite important. So we and um we thought, okay, how can we support people in this period? by remaining in contact regularly, providing a service that would help them. And I think food was an easy one for us. So we organized weekly deliveries in our cities um, and then that got bigger and bigger. And you mentioned crowdfunding. Which which platform do you use? Where can people find that, if I may ask? Crowdfunder.co.uk. Crowdfunder.co.uk. And and I believe you have a Christmas crowdfunder campaign as well, right? Exactly. So that that worked out quite well and people could... Um, understand quite well how the money was being used and mm-hmm. and how we were supporting people. So we were, and you know, past customers or people who had booked a tour and couldn't go on the tour wanted to support. And we got lovely messages from people saying, "Oh, I've been thinking about you. How are you getting on? Is everybody okay? Mm-hmm. Are you safe?" You know, and that was lovely. Um, and then for, in the lead up to Christmas, we decided to do another campaign because the future is uncertain. Yeah. So to support the organization overall and what we're doing is that we're using our merchandise um, for that. So people can support and what you get in exchange is a Christmas gift bundle. So mm-hmm. you may decide, you know, I want to gift my partner something around Manchester because we went together and and what the bundle is, is a book about um, the city, you know, our tour, but also uh, postcards and nice little things that you can get as a, as a gift or as a reward for your contribution towards the project. So um, that campaign is going on until the end of the year. Same website, uh, crowdfunder.co.uk. Yeah. Crowdfunder. Yeah. Um, okay. And it's support Invisible Cities this Christmas. Right. So you search crowdfund- on Crowdfunder for Invisible Cities and then they'll find you. That's correct. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that was um, really hard. And then the biggest difficulty for everyone was, um, and I think not only for our guides, but for everyone in the world is keeping up with your own mental health. Sure. So the more yep. you stayed at home, you know, the more time you had on your hand to think and and the more depressing it could be. And bear in mind, we're working with people who maybe had already mental health issues, sure. anxiety going on. So Doesn't being help. in touch again, mm-hmm. no, absolutely. Or addiction issues, you know, mm-hmm. if if you're struggling every day to not drink, all of a sudden you are in with a lot of time on your hands to think about a drink you yeah. know so i think um how do you help these people like that um that that uh, are addicted to drinks or, or to drug uh, what, what do you do we work a lot in collaboration with other organizations uh-huh. we do a lot uh-huh. of signposting yeah um so we had today for example um one of our trainees who said you know i i had a, a text from someone and it was quite bad and my first initial reaction was to have a drink and actually i thought about conversations we had and i phoned the helpline you know so i think it's, so, it's but that works right um, absolutely great, yeah. and it's creating healthy habits and conversations and support system in place uh-huh. that people know that they are not alone and uh-huh. that if that happens you phone the helpline if the helpline doesn't happen you phone one of us you know and yeah. then we will refer you to the helpline but ultimately, we are not um, mental health workers and sure. specialists. You know, we can only do that with, by signposting others. And, and mm-hmm. so um, 
we work quite hard at creating those relationships with other organizations so mm-hmm. um so we can you know pass people on and and people can get the support but i think yeah it works quite well mm-hmm. and having conversations and saying um what is it that you need and having goals in place and and always going back to to those and um, and and trying to stay positive together so but yeah so that was the biggest challenge and and being open again was great because it gave people something to do and mm-hmm. and every guide was desperate to be back on the road and meet customers again and now we're closed again and in um, English cities and in Glasgow so that's um, a difficulty and um, so we're trying to remain positive and engaging with everyone um, but yeah we shall see what the future holds yeah indeed well there's hopefully uh, a couple of vaccines on the way so it might all be finished uh, next year sometime i would say um some other positive news uh, some cities are actually plotting green recovery after uh, covid 19 was an article from wired wired.com um, obviously in london i see that the walking paths are extended uh, we have a lot of cycling lanes uh, popping up here and there um, anything like that in the cities where you are operating in, uh, like Edinburgh? Or? Yeah, in Edinburgh, we have, um, I have noticed too, you know, cities that all of, um, sorry, streets that yeah. become pedestrian yeah. all of a sudden, or cycle paths that get created because that's um, encouraged, or schemes like, you know, cycle to work, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, I think it, we live in the world now, and I always say this, I think it cannot not be on your agenda mm-hmm. as a city, as a local, as a national government. You know, it has to be um, a priority. And we see a lot more um, of these initiatives popping up, and, and that's great. Yeah. And I think where we what we do is focusing on people. Mm-hmm. But um, so we, um, you know, when it comes to diversity and how people recruit or, or how people train or that type of thing or... Yeah. Uh, or being tolerant towards one another, but you know, I think any um, any initiative or policy that means that a city is a better place to live in mm-hmm. and is a more connected place to live in, um, I think is is great. And in Scotland, we do see um, that happen a lot. You know, with um, what the government decides to focus on, so that's good. Brilliant, brilliant. And and uh, obviously you say already that um, you really aim to be self-sufficient, but do you believe you'll get support in certain areas that you want to move into at a certain point uh, because of the well, the move towards being more responsible from government side? Um, how do you see that? that? I don't know about hmm? I don't know about that. So we, what we see is a lot of um, corporates who want to support us more because we fit it fits with the corporate uh, social responsibility policies mm-hmm. so um and we um offer a product that is obviously you know with an impact on the ground and um do yeah, you approach just, them or do they come to you we try to approach as many as possible w- mm-hmm. within the limited capacity that we have yeah um but i think you know it's a it's a really important sector we need to create bridges whether it's between universities and social enterprises like us or mm-hmm. big corporations and social enterprises like us. Um, we do a lot of work in, or we want to do a lot more work in schools as well. And I think that um, we should get support from that. You know, if we can educate the little ones sure. around what it's like 
to be homeless, how homelessness happens, what is addiction, and mm-hmm. is every homeless person icy or drunk? You know, which which is the type of questions that little children will ask you because yeah. they don't have that filter that we as adults may have. Mm-hmm. So they're not shy um, either. Huh? Yeah, and and if we can change, if we can already have that conversation and educate people at an early stage, then mm-hmm. that's where our impact and that's where we will truly change the world because you will have very tolerant you know, uh, people who are maybe more empathetic, you know, are maybe more um, involved in the world that they live in. So I think there's loads of different areas that we fit into. And uh, and that's the positive side of 2020, I would say, mm-hmm. is that being at home um, and, and being stopped, you know, from your day-to-day activities. So for us, tours made us work a lot more on the things that we never really had the time for, you know, so content for children, which was always something that we wanted to do. But when you run a business day to day, some things, you know, end up at the bottom of your list. So all of a sudden we had more space for that. So we were able to create more um, interactive activities and different things that and or planning to go into different areas that before we wouldn't have been able to focus on. Right, fair, fair enough. And that's absolutely um, very nice as well. There's something positive coming out of this. Um, uh, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, is there anything that you would like to mention uh, to people who are listening besides the uh, crowdfunding campaign? So that when we open um, again, when the mm-hmm. world up and it's allowed, then please, yeah. you know, do check out our tours and... Um, and come on our tours um, and, and recommend, I think, you know, uh, recommending each other is, is the best way of promoting what we do. So, and just um, have a look at what we do on social media and tell others. Um, where are you on social media, if I may ask? Are you yes, on... yes. Where? So on all the diff- all the usual channels. Okay. Yeah. Um, Invisible Cities Tours on Facebook and Instagram yeah. and at InvCities on Twitter as okay. well. Yeah. Um, and then some of our cities also have, so Invisible Manchester is quite active on um, Instagram as well. So either at a local or national level, you can find us um, and then spread the word. I think that's the most, sure. um, and that's a free thing people can do is tell others about it. Um, and of course, have a look at what we uh, merchandise we have. If people are thinking about Christmas, mm-hmm. um, that's helpful. And, and everything we do is designed with or um with our guides and trainees um or with um ultra local artists and and people so it supports the community 100% so yeah it's um definitely worth checking out as well mm, absolutely fantastic what you're doing and i want to thank you very much for being on the show thank you so much <laughs> no thank you So that was the podcast with uh, Zakia of Invisible Cities. That's invisible-cities.org. I'll put all the links in the show notes. You can find the latest news on our website, podcasts.org. You have been listening to Peter de Vries. Thank you for doing so. And don't forget to tune in next time. Thank you.